0: Roadmaps, that key document that can empower collaboration on so many product teams or diminish their potential through misalignment. We're all familiar with roadmaps, but what if they could be used to foster true, authentic collaboration? What if instead of viewing them as a static document, they were organic, transparent, and iterative? Today, we have a top-of-class product manager with experience ranging from healthcare to enterprise product development joining us to talk about product roadmaps and how they can best be used to create great products stay tuned. This is the Product Manager Podcast, the voices of a community that's writing the playbook for product management, development, and strategy. We're sponsored by Crema, a digital product agency that helps individuals and companies thrive through creativity, technology, and culture. Learn more at crema.us. Keep listening for practical, authentic insights to help you succeed in the world of product management. So I'm so excited today to welcome Brandon Blackman to the podcast. Brandon's product management expertise began in a healthcare tech startup and expanded into overseeing development for e-commerce stores, mobile apps, and working on enterprise-level web applications. Passionate about bringing ideas to life, Brandon's passion is on motivating high-performing, agile, and cross-functional product teams. In addition to having the fortune myself of being able to collaborate together with Brandon at Crema, he is also a member of the board of directors for HealthSplash, a healthcare platform focused on solving the problem of denied medical claims due to incorrect data. Brandon, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. It's so good to be here.
0: Thank you so much for for joining us. Um, So product road mapping, ready to get into it?
1: Yes, I'm so excited to talk about it.
0: All right. I am so excited about this, too. This is like one of those topics, I feel, that there's a lot of opinions on and a lot of right ways to do it. Um, So I guess kind of just starting at the foundation, what's your personal background with Roadmaps?
1: Yeah, so I've obviously had a lot of experience with them out of necessity as a product manager. So um, that is, it's a key part of our product development process and uh, workflow. Um, I would say that the background though is very much trial and error, learned from experiences. Uh, I remember some of the first roadmaps I was putting together, they were very uh, date focused, very almost waterfall really is what they came down to. And nothing was ever hit on time according to the roadmap. And so they were always more of a nuisance and a cause of stress and anxiety for me when one of my stakeholders or someone from inside the company at the C-suite Uh, level would reach out to me and be like, when can we expect XYZ or can I see the roadmap? And I'm like, "Oh, geez, I'm backing myself into a corner here, but I've got to share it with them. And so that's how I initially started with roadmaps. And it led me to start thinking that there's got to be a better way. And so I've done a lot of uh, reading and research on it and a lot of experimentation as well on um, the product teams that I'm involved with. And really happy with where we're at now. I actually really enjoy the roadmap. It's, been, it's become an invaluable tool for me and my team and uh, our users, our stakeholders, both internal and external. And it's something that I've uh, really enjoyed learning to put together.
0: That's awesome. And so you, you talked about your background and kind of how you started with like, the really fixed waterfall-type uh, roadmaps. Um, and ran into limitations. Throughout all of that, um, what's like your own personal philosophy on product roadmaps that you developed just kind of going through that experience?
1: Yeah, that's great. So um, it's not beautifully written, a little bit choppy, but I would say the the key tenets of my philosophy is keep it high level. Um, The more granular it gets, the more areas of missed expectations that you're probably going to have. And um, always, always keep it groomed. So always be maintaining it. And the last one is always be releasing. I am on the uh, in the camp of release early, release often when it comes to digital products.
0: So let's start with some of the basics of product roadmapping. What should be the ultimate goal of a roadmap?
1: That's a Great question. Um, so I would say the ultimate goal of a roadmap is that it needs to communicate the direction of the product. Um, even really the community should re it should communicate the direction of the product, but it should be a reflection of the direction for the company or the enterprise as a whole. Um, and the reason why I say that is because the, the core of what the roadmap is supposed to do is to gain alignment for anyone involved with the product. This could be external alignment with our users, um, or it could be internal alignment with your own product team or with your uh, leadership at your, at your company. Um, but the whole key to a roadmap is that we're trying to align a bunch of different people from a bunch of different perspectives all around what they can expect in the future. And that's a really big challenge. And so uh, the goal with it is to, in a, in a way that's clear and concise, directionally tell all of your stakeholders um, where we are going with this product.
0: So it's kind of like a, almost like a story that's like always kind of changing in a way because it, Absolutely. it serves multiple stakeholders.
1: Yes, that is it exactly. Yep. And with any kind of, to riff off of that, with any good story, you don't want to bore someone with too many details. And so I love the idea of it being a story um, because you want to keep it engaging and you want to deliver just the right enough information to achieve the goal, which is to gain alignment. Um, but don't get so detailed, so granular that it's actually um, causing us to miss certain requirements or miss certain deadlines because we got so so detailed with it. Yeah, definitely.
0: So we've we've kind of started to get into these waters, but just to ask it directly: should a roadmap be an, like a static artifact that's just created? We've created the roadmap; it's over here. We look at it throughout development, or is it something more organic, something more iterative?
1: Yeah, I I am definitely on the side that it should be more organic, more iterative. Um, if, if it is something that's static, I think we've made some wrong assumptions probably about users and about how the product's going to work in the wild once it's released. Um, because at the end of the day, the roadmap does communicate something in the future. It's forecasting something that honestly, it doesn't matter how much you plan or how much you put into it, uh, you don't ever know until you get there. So um, the roadmap, should be taken as it is. It's a, it's a forecast, it's a view into the future. And the best way to always have the most accurate forecast is to look at the present day and adjust your forecast based off of that. So I think it should always be iterative and never assume that there's a final version of something out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and basically assuming it also as, as a final version can uh, work against the ultimate outcomes that it's driving for, um, yes. You know, you, you it, I like the word forecast that you're using because it's based on our current science, so to speak, of the product, our current understanding of users and needs, the business environment, the competitive environment. But as we're building, all those variables are changing, which means that ultimately the roadmap should service those variables and change and evolve as well. 100%.
1: Yep. I completely agree with you on that.
0: So overall, like... I am sitting down to create a product roadmap for my awesome ABC product. What should it be focused on?
1: That's awesome question. So um, you really want to focus on the why and the what that you're building. Um, I, I really believe that the temptation, um, especially if you don't have much experience with roadmapping, is to focus on the how. Um, because that's the, that's really the, the question that good roadmaps probably beg is like, how are we getting there? And, um, you're going to want to avoid that how question. Leave that to the backlog. Um, the backlog will describe how we're going to do it. But the roadmap, focus on the why and the what. Why are we moving in this direction? Why are we focusing on these certain items? Um, what are we focusing on? Um, answer those type of questions with the roadmap and avoid the how question.
0: So one of the things that we pull into a lot of our roadmaps are statuses, themes, Mm -hmm. and kind of outcomes. Can you talk about those in the context of a roadmap?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So statuses, um, if a roadmap has statuses on it, those are things like, this is what we're working on now. Um, This is what we're going to be working on next. And this is what we're going to be working on later. Notice that those statuses have zero dates attached to it. Um, The moment you put a date, and I know that there is necessity to sometimes include a date to some degree, um, but the moment you put a date on something, you have cornered yourself into a requirement that may not have been necessary had you left the date out of it. So with a status concept, it's this idea of this is what we're working on right now. So that could be today and it could be tomorrow and it could be the day after, but right now we're working on this. And then having a next status is giving the users or giving the stakeholders an idea of what's up to come. Um, And again, no date attached to that. You could start it tomorrow or you could start it next week. All we know is that this is where we're going next. And then later is to kind of show Um, more direction further down into the future. So this idea of, we know what we're working on now, we know what's going to come up next, and then at some point we're going to arrive at these other issues as well. Um, Themes is another common roadmap uh, perspective. So themes would be something like um, client relationship. So a theme is client relationship, and now you can start thinking through items epics or user stories that contribute to the theme of client relationship. And then an outcome focused roadmap or a roadmap with the outcome perspective is to say something like, um, increasing client interactions by 30%. And that's an outcome that we can come to expect. And maybe that attaches to the theme of client relationships, but this outcome of we want to increase, client interactions by 30%. That is a good why and what and then the how, again, is left to the backlog and really to the experts. It's the people on the product team in the moment with what we know now. Um, There could be a slew of different ways that you could increase client interactions by 30% but all that the roadmap needs to communicate is that we are on track directionally heading towards this outcome of increasing client interactions by 30%.
0: That is so awesome. Thank you so much for, for overviewing those, those potential paths. And like, you know, speaking personally, like there's so much power that I've seen from taking that very agile approach to roadmap development. Um, It really puts a focus on breaking down what we know to be true now But also having, um, kind of an on deck area, that next area to move into in service of either themes or outcomes, if you'd like. Um, but also taking all like the rest of the backlog, all those other ideas that we have that maybe, may or may not be valuable depending on when or when, if they get implemented. We still have those, but it's not something that is committed to something that is like stamped onto a permanent roadmap.
1: Yep. Yep. The more more you commit, the more you stamp, you're setting yourself up just for more and more requirements and expectations that have to be met.
0: Absolutely. And one thing you mentioned a lot was um, don't put dates. Whatever you do, don't put dates. And I know that there's probably a lot of us listening who are like, I would love to not put dates, but my stakeholders are absolutely saying we've got to release to a customer by X date, or we have to do this for a stakeholder by X date. How do you navigate that?
1: Uh, yes, I if, if I could control everything the way I want to control it, dates would never exist on a roadmap. Um, I know I say that though, as more of the ideal reality, oftentimes you you're right. You have your CEO telling you when can they expect something, Your marketing team needs to know when they can expect something, if they're going to have promotions around it, Um, your customer service teams, they want to know when they can expect something. So um, unfortunately, the world works with dates. And so you have to incorporate dates to some degree. But um, I really I live in that tension and I'm always pushing against it. in the roadmap of giving the most high level date that I possibly can to achieve whatever the team needs to know or the stakeholder needs to know. So um, most often this isn't every case, but I would say most often this can be achieved with quarterly uh, roadmaps. So committing to a quarter saying by Q2, we will be able to increase client interactions by 30 percent. And we're looking at having these features to help contribute to that. And that gives enough to the marketing team that they can start putting campaigns together around clients' relationship matters um, with their product. And I, I keep using this client client interactions as an example, but it could be any, any theme or outcome or feature set um, that's applicable to your product. It also gives enough for the customer service branch to be like, okay, we need to have these customer service channels set up by Q2 to help support this outcome of increasing client interactions by 30%. And so, um, again, that that roadmap being theme oriented or outcome oriented communicates direction to all, all stakeholders. And then keeping as high level as possible of dates as you possibly can communicates when these things need to be set up by. And quarterly is a really good perspective to have it gives you, a, you know, a 3 month margin. So it could be beginning of quarter, mid quarter, end quarter, end of quarter um, or it could be maybe the external side it's the following quarter, but for internally it's the the current quarter that you're aiming for.
0: You know, I love I love the word margin and being able to use that as a tool when creating roadmaps and I love going with quarterly roadmaps and more. Um, one other tactic that I've found to be useful or really rather a mental model is uh, using what we call the cone of uncertainty, which uh, for those mm. who aren't aware of it, it's think of it as a sideways triangle with uh, the bottom cut off. And you start at the largest end of the triangle, so the bottom, and that's where you're at today. You have so much um, as you move forward, so much room and uh, margin uh really uncertainty um, that delivery of certain features or hitting specific outcomes or themes on a roadmap could go. However, as you progress down that as time moves forward, you become as you head towards those goals or milestones or whatnot, then you're you're closer to where your target is. And so naturally, there's going to be more learnings behind you, more certainty. Um, Tactically, one thing that I really have found value in is leveraging uh, in an agile environment uh, story points to be able to track our velocity. Because after a few sprints, you start to be able to stabilize the velocity. You start to understand what technical risk or UX risk or market risk that there might be that could impact um, your lot velo- your team's velocity, and so as it gets closer, and as you go down the path, then you're actually able to hone in on those dates uh, with much more certainty, while also remaining agile.
1: I love that idea of the cone of uncertainty, and it actually reminds me of something I just did this last week. Was I took a peek at uh, my my 401k? I know I'm way way far away from retirement, but the 401k uh, portfolio that I've got has this forecaster on it. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a, my roadmap to retirement. And it shows that cone of uncertainty. It says, with a ni- we want to set up your investments, your monthly investments and your allocations so that with 90% certainty, you will retire with this amount of money. Now, obviously, there's no way to foretell the future, like especially when it's 30 years down the road. Um, but it helps kind of decide, okay, what allocations do I want to put towards these investments? And as I make those changes, that cone of uncertainty says, perhaps with a 30 cents, 30% probability, you'll have this much money, but no matter what we can, we can look at this 90% confidence and say that you'll have this much money. And I think roadmaps fall into that very closely of, um, you know, when someone, a stakeholder, I, I feel like the more high up in the company that the stakeholder is, the more pressure you have to give an exact date. Um when they ask, what can we expect by X date, I think it's okay to respond with like, do you want the ninety percent certainty answer or do you want the 30% certainty answer? Um and it kind of, kinda of gives them that idea of like, okay, I know with some degree of certainty that we will be here. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be closer to that 30% certainty mark as well.
0: That's such a great analogy. So kind of shifting over to or date management, let's go over to another um, topic that might have some uh, different opinions on. Yeah. How do you manage dependencies in a roadmap?
1: Yeah, that is such a hard... Um, hard thing to answer with a blanket statement, I would say in it from a general general approach, um, the best way to handle dependencies is to one, note them and communicate them. So they should be on the roadmap. So as you're putting together this theme oriented or outcome oriented or status oriented roadmap, make sure you attach these items to what those dependencies might be. So. Although you're planning for a certain outcome by a certain quarter of the year, be sure to note, now this depends on X, Y, and Z. So that way that communicates that alignment that we had mentioned earlier. The other thing is, um, and we do this often with front-end and back-end teams. So oftentimes the front-end has dependencies from the back-end and the back-end team has dependencies on the front-end. And so we put together actual contracts, if you will, um, this could be like an API contract, which I know in developer developer world has a certain meaning, but from a product management perspective, this is a document that fully lays out everything that we can expect with the API that's being created. And the front end can build off of that contract. Even if the API itself doesn't exist yet, or the back end can't support the API yet, The front end can still build knowing that this contract, this document that explains what the API will be able to do, will come to fruition. And when it does, if the contract is good and solid, it should be easy then to connect both the front end dependencies and the back end dependencies together. It works the other way around too. Inside of that API contract, there should be what the front end needs to be able to do so that way the back end team knows exactly how to build it and to architect the structure around it. And that contract um, really is kind of that third middle layer between the parties, and both parties are, are obligated to uphold their end of the contract um, to make sure that what the front end is building matches up with the back end. Um, that's just one example. This could also be a uh, a document between, you know, the dev team and the marketing team or the product team as a whole and the customer service team. Um, You just want to put together these contracts and say, this is what you can expect once this is all done. And that allows the other team who's dependent on you completing your task um, to go ahead and start building out their processes and their systems as well.
0: That's so good, especially the note around like API contracts. It's not just managing business dependencies or content dependencies. It can actually be much more complex about managing technical dependencies and how do you, uh, structure your development teams to be able to collaborate in a way, um, that, that sees that through in a very healthy, um, development focused way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I would say that, um, with that, too, like things are going to be go wrong. Like that's that's the whole idea behind dependencies is that there are things that depend on other things to happen and sometimes that doesn't work out. In fact, we should expect it not to work out. And so that's why I go back to making sure those dependencies are noted on the roadmap. So when something does need to change on the roadmap, again, remember the roadmap's not static, it's iterative and it's organic. Um, You can communicate exactly why we need to change things, because Um, of a certain dependency or we got into something and it was much big, much more larger than what we were anticipating. Um, And as long as that's communicated up front, you'll eliminate, I'd say 80 to 90% of your issues with forecasting the future is just communicating that uncertainty or those dependencies to everyone involved, Um, which is why, again, I go back to the overall goal of a roadmap is to really gain alignment with your stakeholders.
0: So you mentioned, uh, you kind of alluded to challenges um, within roadmapping like this. Um, So what other challenges do you typically face, especially with like release management and delivery in conjunction with agile roadmaps?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say some challenges oftentimes go back to non-product people or non-product teams, Um, These would be internal stakeholders, particularly within enterprises, that they're just not familiar with the agile process. And so um, a challenge is just always communicating and really educating along the way of what agile is, why we have to build this, build this way. Um, And the analogy that I like to use with that is we're not just building a house, like houses have been built for ages. We know how to build a house. Therefore, we can kind of waterfall that out. We're oftentimes building something that's never been done before, or maybe it's been done before for someone else, but we're doing it in a unique way for ourselves. And so there's just no way to tell the future with that. Um, And so uh, I kind of, I use that analogy there to help educate and, and bring the rest of the team along with that. The other thing with uh, challenging with agile roadmaps is you, we, we admit the obvious, which is that there is so much unknown. We have, you know, the known knowns, the known unknowns, and then we also know that there's unknown unknowns. And so with agile, we live in that tension and that friction, knowing that there's things that we just don't know. And it can be challenging. I, I don't think agile necessarily makes that easier. It just makes it to where agile, can deal with it and work with it and consume that type of chaos and order it in a way that you're still building really cool stuff uh, for your users that ultimately makes their lives better.
0: That's so awesome. You know, one of the other things that comes to mind, tangential to what you just shared, is just the reality that, especially when you're working in software development, software development by nature is about knowledge, creation, and gathering. It's there's that, the metaphor that's so often used is, and and I'm glad you kind of shot this down as the building a house metaphor is usually brought over to our world, but it's really so much more than building a house. It's like, well, how do you, before you lay the bricks, How do you actually create the bricks? And then how do you learn to create the bricks? And what if there's a different type of material that this particular app or software that we're building um, requires? And how do you go learn and build that? And so, so much about actually software development is about just that whole exercise of building our own knowledge along the way as we're actually building the product, which just adds that much more variability to the roadmap. So I'm so glad that you covered um, just those types of ambigu that type of ambiguity that can so yeah. easily be present.
1: No, that's great.
0: So, shifting gears a bit, like let's let's go down from the fifty thousand foot view of roadmaps into just kind of the next level, the thirty thousand foot, which is really sprints and breaking down mm-hmm. that those big chunks of the roadmap. So, Brandon, how do sprints help break down the roadmap?
1: Yeah, so uh, sprints. They, let me first go to this idea of, of what a sprint should have, which is a goal. Um, every sprint should have a goal in mind that by the end of the sprint, when you hit, when you finish the sprint, this goal will be achieved. And that goal should always be driving the product and the team and the users further along the roadmap. So the, if your if your goal is ever disconnected or misaligned with the roadmap, then what you're working on is not contributing to the direction of the roadmap. Um, And so you've in some ways forsaken the roadmap in that way. So what I I typically do is on our sprint planning and sprint kickoffs is I always start with that, like you said, your 50,000 foot view of the roadmap before even getting into the actual sprint planning committing to certain stories and then ultimately writing out the goal for the sprint, because I always want us to bring it back to that roadmap. So when we're looking at the next two weeks, we choose these stories of what can be done and we write out the goal and that goal should clearly point to whatever aspect of the roadmap we're in at that moment. And if it's not directly said inside of that, it should be some sort of indirect step. Maybe it's a half step before, we can actually deliver something that's on the roadmap. We have to do some backend experimentation and therefore we have to kind of bring in a user story that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the roadmap necessarily, but it's laying the backend groundwork um, so that we can then get back to a user story that's directly tied to the roadmap. Um, and so I always start with that sprint goal. That's really the bridge from what you're working on today to the roadmap. And it should be really clearly stated in a concise way inside of that sprint goal.
0: That's really good. I love sprint goals and really starting with that and letting that inform Mm -hmm. what the sprint should be. So one of the challenges that um, I think has been really elevated in our space over the last few years is that sprints can often risk becoming mini waterfalls of sorts. Mm. It's like that kind of two week period, let's go ahead and we have to get things done for that sprint goal or else everything's wrong. So how do you keep sprints from being those mini waterfalls in context of the broader roadmap?
1: Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, so I would say that the sprints need to be made up of independent and usable user stories. Um, now for my true Agile uh, listeners who are listening to this, they're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what a user story is. But um, I speaking transparently, even myself, I get lazy with my user story writing and I forget that they need to be independent and they need to be testable and they need to be usable. Um, And so keeping your sprint focused so that that goal is independent and it's usable from end to end, so you're never at the end of the sprint with something that can't be used until you get two more sprints done. That should never be the case, right? There is a, is a waterfall sprint example where in order for something to be usable, you have to complete three different sprints. Um, instead, really try to do your sprint planning in a way that every single sprint is independent, it's releasable if you wanted. it's usable. Users could actually get in there and use it if it was in a prod environment. Um, And this kind of gets to that idea that I mentioned earlier with roadmaps is release often. That doesn't necessarily mean you're releasing to users often, but releasing to some sort of pre-production environment that is usable to some degree. Like a user could actually get in there hypothetically and use it and get some sort of value from it. If you're always releasing that way, then it doesn't matter what due date arrives. So I just want to make sure that that's communicated though, that those user stories are always independent. And, um, when you're releasing that a user could use it, um, even if it's not in a production environment, the hypothetical nature is that the user could use it.
0: Yeah. And that, that's really good. And I think also too, something that, um, I, you mentioned user stories and, uh, without getting too deep into user stories, cause I think we could do a whole podcast on user stories. Um, as it relates to road mapping, well, there's definitely this line, um, this very fine line uh, to balance on, um, where you don't want to be too detailed with those stories because then you could risk like really making that almost a waterfall by itself. But you want to have enough clarity that the team can move forward, but enough ambiguity that there's flexibility in the team to be able to uh, pivot and try to you know be creative as we work towards those sprint goals.
1: Yes, that is really important to highlight. Um, I think if you, it, like you said, if you get too detailed with it, you've really gotten back into that how nature. And as a product manager, I have zero dev insight, zero design insight. And um, if I can just stay focused with like what you're saying, kind of that high level, leave some ambiguity around it. So that way the experts, the developers can actually think through, okay, this goal has been stated here, we can do whatever we need to do to achieve the goal. And you've really, at the end of the day, empowered your smartest and brightest people to um, solve those problems. And it doesn't fall on you with your limited perspective uh, to try figuring out how to hit that goal. Absolutely. So we've, we've talked about
0: the roadmaps, the types of roadmaps, and just uh, how to actually break those down and within sprints, move forward towards it. How often should that roadmap be reviewed?
1: Um, So I, as a product manager, I probably see it daily, if not every other day. I open that up and look at it. I would say from a product team standpoint, though, that should be reviewed every single kickoff or every single planning period. Um, Again, it is the thing that should help determine your sprints, your sprint goal, and therefore determine what user stories get pulled in or what epics get focused on. Um, and then from a uh, company, from a broader perspective, anytime the product manager or the product owner or anyone on the product team is communicating certain aspects of the product to the larger stakeholder community, I think that's a great time to bring in the roadmap, to always give context. So you're not just displaying this one little window, but you're actually giving the entire forest a perspective. Um, and it really helps the users and the stakeholders really understand why this release might be important or why this epic was important for us to focus on. Um, so I would say, bring it up as often as you can. Definitely, anytime you are talking about the product itself, um, from a product team perspective, that would be on the kickoff and the planning meetings. And then as a product manager, you should be inside of your roadmap every, every single day, every other day, reviewing that and making sure that um, you're all still on track and, and nothing needs to be adjusted. Awesome. So overall stepping back and
0: kind of asking you personally, what's your favorite type of roadmap and approach? What is your default when it comes to road mapping?
1: Yeah, so it depends on the product. I would say most products that I'm on, it's the theme oriented roadmap. Um, I love this idea of being able to see the theme that's then also tied to like the company's vital few goals or something of that nature. And it really empowers us as the product team to pick and choose what we want to work on then. And moreover, it empowers the developers and the designers, the true of experts in their craft to decide how they're going to uh, achieve those themes. Um, and so that's really cool. I think you see the most empowerment, um, and the most enablement with a theme oriented roadmap. Um, on the more, on the smaller products. So like I'm on a, uh, a venture lab product where we have, I think, I did the math, I think we have like 14 14 days of the year that we get to actually work on this product out of 365 days. And so the roadmap has to be very concise. It has to be very um, high level all at the same time in order to communicate just what will be delivered in one year because we only get to work on it 14 days of the year. And so uh, uh, those type of roadmaps, I like the statuses, to be able to communicate very quickly and effectively to everyone involved. This is what we're working on right now. This is what we're going to be working on next. And this is what you can expect later. That is so awesome. So, all right,
0: we're nearing the end of our time, but before we wrap up, I'd like to ask some personal lightning round questions, if that's okay. Go for it. All right. First, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Hmm.
1: Um, so I am a little bit old school with the analog note taking. Um, I don't always take notes and, you know, ana, in an analog way. In fact, most times I have to consume it very quickly or record it very quickly. So I digitally type that out, but the ability to track those notes in an analog fashion or to uh, digest the notes in an analog fashion, just the idea of like, actually have it here, writing writing it down in the notebook helps imprint it in my mind, I think, and moves it from that short-term memory bank to the long-term. Um, I can also have a lot of fun dreaming about the future using analog versions. I can sketch out to-do lists and goals and track certain things um, and get really creative with it on a blank sheet of paper. So I would say that is the thing that um, I always go back to is... Just a good old notebook with a pen, and being able to uh, track the past, organize the present, and plan for the future. Design the future. That's uh, stealing that from the bullet journal method.
0: That's so awesome, um, you know. And actually, just real quick, stepping outside of uh, of, of notebooks and pens, what is mm-hmm. your other favorite tool that you use regularly?
1: Yeah, so this probably won't come as a surprise to you, um, as we use it very often at Crema, but Miro, the virtual mm-hmm. whiteboarding tool, I yes. could plug them all, all day long and say, go start a Miro account. They're an amazing tool. Roadmapping, I don't think I've roadmapped outside of Miro since the first day I discovered Miro. So all of my roadmaps, they're all in Miro. And what makes that so great is I can have an, uh, a frame for the roadmap and I can also have images or Figma integrations of all the designs that that contribute to that roadmap. I can write user stories inside of that whiteboard that then integrates with JIRA. Um, and so Miro is was life-changing when we discovered it or I discovered it. And uh, I've used it every day since for every roadmap that I've had to make. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, yeah. You appreciated the choir there. It is a, like, the best contextual roadmap you can possibly create. Yeah. So, last question. Uh, for someone at the start of their product management journey, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to them?
1: So, this, uh, this is how, if I could, if I could rephrase and if I can look back at, uh, younger Brandon at the beginning of his career, what would be the advice to him specifically? Um, It would be to take the startup job um, and be a product manager with zero experience at this technology startup. Um, Not sure what product management's involved or anything like that. Like It's a completely uncharted uh, course. I had no idea at the beginning of it what agile was. I didn't know any of the terms and just jumped in. And so um, to other aspiring product managers out there, uh, find a startup, maybe create your own startup. That does not mean leave your nine to five. I'm not saying that, but maybe from that, uh, what is it, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., work on your own, your own startup and really learn and lean into the agile process and apply that to creating something that doesn't exist for yourself. Could be a service business, could be a digital product business, could be anything. Um, just think through the agile process and apply that on creating something for yourself. Um, and then at best, you become a $1 billion unicorn sellout with your startup. Or at worst, nothing ever comes of it, which is my story with the startup. Um, but you got all of this experience and now you can land yourself at a nine to five job, uh, doing what you love and being able to embrace those skills that you've been gifted with.
0: Very, very wise words. Thank you so much, Brandon. And thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today to just not only cover your expertise on road mapping, but just as we branched a little bit outside of that as well into your other areas of expertise and product development. Um, it has been very, very uh, uh great learning for myself. Um for those listening, you can find out more about Brandon's work at crema.us or you can find him on LinkedIn. Again, thank you so much for joining today, Brandon. That's great. Thank you so much for having me. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to leave a review of the podcast. Let us know what you liked, what you'd like to see more of, uh, or if there's something that uh, we didn't cover that you'd love us to follow up on. Otherwise, uh, definitely follow and join our community at theproductmanager.com. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Catch you in the next one.